Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have another jam-packed show for you today. Cannot wait to get these headlines to you. This is like uh, Craig Mack, and we're bringing you that flavor in your ear. And you know who is chefing it up with that flavor is none other than... Dr. Chef Kamika Campbell, what is going on? <laughs> Cousin, how you doing? Well, we in here, okay? Yes. We in here on a Monday doing Monday things. Yes. Um, it is an interesting Monday because these stories are, are they're kind of hot in the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be the Mondayest show that you'll hear oh on this Monday. So thank you for joining us on the Melanin Report. You could have been anywhere else on the internet, but you decided to stop on by. So thanks for stopping by, friend. We got some great headlines for you today. We're talking about GOP lawmakers urge D.C. mayor to rename a important plaza. What plaza? Well, we will see later on in the program. Also, a master's degree program for black scholars offers free tuition. That is free, F-R-E-E, tuition. There's none better type tuition than free. There's none. <laughs> tuition. The so, five finger discount. Right, right. Uh, tuition. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Dig it. <laughs> cannot wait to get into that. And then also, AI could make healthcare even more racist, a new study finds. As if healthcare needed to needed be any more <laughs> assistance to be Did racist. You need more help with that. Okay. <laughs> so we got these headlines and a bunch more. Glad you can join us. So let's get to it. All right, our first story takes us to Black Enterprise, where GOP lawmakers are urging the D.C. mayor to rename the Black Lives Matter Plaza. Why? Well, let's get into it and find out. Republican politicians have written a letter to Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser requesting that Black Lives Matter Plaza be renamed after Black Lives Matter chapters made statements of support for Palestine. The October 23rd letter suggested that the local chapters of the movement were supporting Hamas in its deadly attack on Israel that occurred October 7th. The letter was signed by lawmakers such as Senators Marco Rubio, Lindsey Graham, as well as Congressman Josh Hawkley and John Rose. We write to urge you to immediately rename Black Lives Matter Plaza and remove the street painting that reads Black Lives Matter due to that movement's celebration of violent anti-Semitic terrorism. The letter said the plaza that leads to the White House in Washington, D.C. was renamed in bright yellow lettering after the movement to eradicate police brutality and was officiated in 2020 after protests on behalf of the police murder of George Floyd. Local BLM groups, though many are not directly affiliated with the National Network, have publicly relayed their support for Palestine. The letter explicitly named Chicago and D.C. as well as grassroots groups in Mm. their message. BLM Chicago has retracted a post that suggested violence but reaffirmed that they are pro-Palestine. So let's get into it. I will say this is that I strongly believe that they were looking for anything to 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 be able to you know push 
the uh, uh, agenda forward to have this plaza. Listen, be they've been trying renamed. to get rid of Black Lives Matter Plaza for a long time. A, a, a long time, yeah. So this is not any in any way unsurprising. Right, right, right. This is this is another um, you know another notch, uh, another tail in, in a long list of tales of of Republicans Absolutely. trying to uh, stop this. Um, I don't know. Do I, I call it a progressive agenda or? Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Both. Okay. Because we have to understand. You know, I'm going to say the history. This is what I like to talk about. But one of the reasons that people feel sol- solidarity is particularly minority people around the globe. Because if you look at people around the globe, um, Israel is losing the PR war mm. as far as support for what they are doing is concerned. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily believe that this is a, um, an Israel or Palestine problem. Mm. I believe that this is a problem of colonialism and imperialism. Mm-hmm. And I did an infographic um, several weeks ago when this conflict first started on the Black News Beat page, just breaking down the history of what has happened between on that strip of land. Palestine is not a... a a recognized, was not a recognized country per se Mm -hmm. um, back when this conflict first started. And the state of Israel within those, that Palestinian land um, is a 75, this is the 75th year anniversary of that. Mm -hmm. And um, folks have to understand the UN stepped in to help make Israel state in the land of their forefathers about 1,200 years removed. Mm -hmm. Now, there have always been Jews in that land in small pockets around there. And um, Israel and the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture have always existed in that place. Mm -hmm. But the violence with which the Israeli state was formed... Right. Without consulting the people who lived on the land in what was then considered the indigenous people of land has helped form this conflict today. Mm. So not helped is the reason for the conflict today. Yeah. Um, And the back and forth fighting, what people see right now is that Palestine started this conflict earlier this month. That's Mm -hmm. what people see. Um, But what they don't see is a 75 year battle for this land that has been going back and forth for so long. Yeah. Um, And what folks resonate with and what they have been resonating with is someone coming into their land, um, taking over when they try to fight back and they lose more of their land is encroached upon. And that's Mm. what happened with the Israeli state. It it became bigger. Every war they fought, they would encroach on land. Mm. Um, and not that is the way that imperialism and colonialism works. Yeah. I want to be clear. When you involve the UN, who is mostly made up of powerful um, colonialist countries mm-hmm. and, and countries who take things by force, this is the kind of thing that you get when you ask them to help you make a state. Now, yeah. what was the context within within which Israeli state was made? It was after the Holocaust, mm. right? So the world was in a state of shock of what happened and also a state of they deserve to have something. And mm-hmm. that is true. That is never not true that Israel does not deserve their home to be in a, in a homeland, a home state. Yeah. But the way that it came about has bred so much conflict and so much bloodshed and so much catastrophic loss to that region on both sides. And I'm not a both side person, but mm-hmm. when you look at the conflict, this is the truth. And the responsible parties are funding both sides of that conflict. So now you have in present day, um, you have Black Lives Matter. You have um, 
other groups that are representing marginalized communities around the globe, mm-hmm. um, voicing their support for Palestine. Because for years, Palestine has been saying probably two or three of the same things. They're encroaching, and we um, are, uh, have been feeling the, the pain from them being here for such a long time, mm. and it's hurting us. Um, and Israel has, has said, well, we deserve to be here. Yeah. Not untrue. But how you do the thing matters. Yeah. Um, and when you take on a colonialist way of doing a thing, people who have suffered from colonialism and imperialism um, tend to, and this is with movements around the world, this would happen with the Arab Spring. Mm-hmm. People were siding with those who were being unjustly um, persecuted and killed in that uh, scenario as well. And to me, this harkens right back to that. That Arab Spring was not that long ago. That's when Twitter blew up, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Twitter, in particular, had such a a big organizing um, arm in what was happening in in, in, in in the Arab Spring with Yemen and some other countries, now... Fast forward to 2023, and TikTok is having a similar effect mm, on what's happening yeah. with Palestine. And who was on TikTok? Young, minority, Gen Z, yeah. um, kids from all over the world who not only do are they not rooted in the some of the historical propaganda that we've all accepted, mm-hmm. um, they are learning from their peers firsthand. So they're yeah. learning from Palestinian peers one-to-one, just like we did with the Arab Spring one-to-one, where they're getting either, and sometimes it's good or bad information, but they're yeah. learning a lot, and they're learning to in parse, in, I was going to say, in real time, and they're parsing it rather quickly and making judgment, value judgments. Yeah. So it, for, and I know that's a long way to be like, well, what about Black Lives Matter Plaza? <laughs> hey, this is, this is, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it is not, we have had a historical, um, connection to Israel in this country, um, no matter what Israel does, we back Israel. That's mm-hmm. what America does. That is what has been expected. And that is not what the new generation is about, mm-hmm. period. They yeah. don't want to back Israel no matter what. They don't. And whether or not that's right or wrong is not actually the point. Yeah. The point is when you have people who um, uh, connect with another people group because they see them as also being persecuted, um, this is what happens. Yeah. And um, that this is not just having an effect in D.C. or um, in Chicago, like the article mentions. That's happening right here in our own backyards, too. Right. There are people right here who are questioning black-led organizations on funding matters, right, because mm. they're saying that they're pro-Palestine. Yeah. And, well, they have to co- isn't uh, Black Lives Matter supporting terrorism? This When you hear stuff like that, this is propaganda, and it— links to what they were trying to do with Black Lives Matter in 2020. Mm-hmm. They're burning and looting cities. And yeah. then when the insurrection happened, well, it wasn't as bad as what happened when you guys shot each other over there in Chicago. This right. is what happens a lot. And so it becomes this um, com- uh, complete goalpost-moving endeavor that folks recognize and they see how the the power and the might that Israel has from the United States government, mm-hmm. from these other big superpowers that are funding them daily, and that's what they're connecting. People don't get that. Yeah. People don't get it's not just about Israel. It's not just about Palestine. It's not mm-hmm. even just about Hamas. Hamas's message is super clear. Um, we don't want we we don't want to be in 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 bondage and persecution anymore. Mm-hmm. And we are going to do anything by any means necess- any means necessary to rid ourselves of the oppressor. They are, they are looking at Israel as the oppressor. Mm-hmm. How could Israel be an oppressor? Let's think. When people hear these words, I'm like, what What do y'all think? Mm-hmm. 
who do you think the oppressor is? It's not Israel. It's who is funding Israel. Yeah. And that is the point that people don't understand. The the Israeli people are suffering just like the Palestinian people are suffering um, because of these warring factions. People treat Hamas as extremely different than Israel mm-hmm. and the government and the other folks. They treat them as these separate um, evil and good entities, except for the fact that they're not in this bubble by themselves. Right. There is no way on earth neither Hamas or Israel could fund this thing conflict alone follow the money and when people get into these kind of ideological wars you must denounce hamas you you must uh, rename black lives matter plaza this this stuff is happening in these bubbles that people aren't thinking why would they want us to rename black lives matter plaza what's the reason it's in dc we know who supports we know we know the kind of is support that israel has amongst um, members of Congress, mm-hmm. whether Democrat or Republican, like yeah. the Democrats are being a little quiet on this, but they're not that different. Look at what Joe Biden's saying and doing. He's not that different than than the Republicans on this. So it's not a to me, it's not a Democrat Republican thing. But the Republicans will speak up because Mario Bowser is a Democrat and the city of D.C. is pretty Democratic. So mm-hmm. it becomes this kind of, you know, lightning rod. And this politicized uh, uh, thing. I look at uh, these these a- actions here before we uh, he- head on to our, our other story. Um, I look at these these actions um, with the renaming or or, or the wanting of the renaming yeah. of Black Lives Matter. Uh, it's it's this continued demonization of black led organizations. Correct. Uh, much much similar to how they did. Uh, the Black Panther Party. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and, and demonizing and the Black Nationalist Movement. Right. Absolutely. And and um, not not realizing uh, or or publicly identifying our SNAP and WIC system. Yeah. Was cherry picked from what the Black Panther Party already had yep. in place in California. Absolutely. And and the most disgusting part is that that was. Um, that was designated as a terrorist group, and the KKK was not. Yep. So that's right. So to uh, to to that point, we are going to go on to our next story. Uh, Dr. K, really appreciate that that historical uh, journey you took us down. <laughs> and there's one more thing, and yeah. I know I be I be dragging it, but. There's an article by NPR that outlines that it's called The Complicated History Between BLM Solidarity with the Pro-Palestinian Movement. And that was in June 2021, again, at the height of the BLM movement of this this current one. Yeah. And I, if, if you go and listen to it, you'll get more of a, a very, I really appreciate NPR where we are, <laughs> for the balanced view that they bring to these types of issues. Yeah. Um, so if you go ahead and read that again, it's called The Complicated History Behind BLM Solidarity with the Pro-Plastinian Movement. That's June 2021. It will help you get a better grounding of why BLM today in 2023, and folks did not make a big deal about this back then, as big as they're making now, um, why BLM stands so closely um, with um the, the Palestinian people in particular and against the Zionist movement. That's something that mm. we even get into yet. So, All right. Our next story. Our second story of the day takes us to Blavity, where HBCU alumni file federal lawsuit over three 
over underfunding three universities in Georgia. Man, uh, I remember we did a story similar to this a couple weeks oh, ago yep, sure when, when Tennessee uh, won their litigation. Won. So, so, yeah, this is... And we said it then. Yes, yes. So this, <laughs> this proves, you know, this is now two... So uh, three, four, Pennsylvania, two, three, four. <laughs> Pennsylvania, get ready because we know that Lincoln and Cheney side eye emoji. Yeah. Have been <laughs> sorely, sorely. We know it. Underfunded. Absolutely. So uh, three HBCU alumni are suing the Georgia Board of Reg- Regents for allegedly failing to equally fund the state's public historically black mm, universities. Mm, mm. The lawsuit cites unequal treatment at Albee State. Uh, at Fort Valley State and Savannah State Universities, and this is according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It alleges that the board took resources away from HBCUs and directed them toward predominantly white institutions. It also notes that Georgia's three HBCUs rely on state funding more than other institutions and that there are currently no alumni serving on the board. Mm. There should not be two systems of education in Georgia. And this is from Carlos Moore, a Mississippi attorney with the Cochran Firm. And he said in 2023, we're still fighting for something as simple as equity, justice and equality. The plaintiffs hope the lawsuit helps future students at the three HBCUs. It means a lot. It could help them help them financially, help them go to a better, beautiful school than it is now. Help them grow as a person, help them get a better experience in college. And this is from. Matrice Harrington, who graduated from Fort Valley State earlier this year. And she also says that sometimes you have to speak up for what you want. And she added that the buildings were old and the elevators frequently broke during her time as a student. And last month, U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona and Secretary of Agriculture Thomas Vilsack officially notified Georgia and 15 other states that they have underfunded HBCUs Mm -hmm. by over $12 billion in recent decades compared to non-HBCUs. So... Get my my my. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Uh, uh, because in this, in this uh, 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 letter, I'll um um I'll highlight the uh, states that they um that they uh, gave gave the side eye to in a bit. But um, I'm I'm I, it's, it's going to sound cliche, but but I'm happy that this is happening. Um, it's it's something that needed to happen because oh, absolutely. just asking for it uh wasn't enough now we have to hit you with litigation absolutely you know that's uh, what they respect around here right 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 <laughs> and 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 that's that's where the truth is going to come out you know uh why these schools were underfunded for decades you know why there isn't um black or brown folks on these boards that allocate these funds you you know so um again i'm looking at this as as something that's going to set a precedence yeah uh and then it's going to expand like wildfire wow Uh, before i um pass it over to you Dr. K, uh, sure. this reminds me of um, the football player, Ed Reed. Uh, he had just became uh, the head football coach for mm-hmm. Bethune-Cookman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and he did a Instagram live and he was driving around 
their their facility, their sports facilities mm-hmm. and their practice facilities. And he was complaining, you know, look at this. This is terrible. This gate is broke. This is a fire hazard, yep. you know, putting his school on blast. And he eventually got fired for it. But his thing was, I'm just talking about the the lack of resources that we have in these facilities yes. so that we're able to compete on a division one level. Absolutely. That's what he was doing. Um, and again, there was this running joke for years, at least for myself. I won't insert you, the listener, but at least for myself about how underfunded these schools were. Absolutely. You know, so so now, you know. They're getting their just due. Finally. Um, At well, least an acknowledgement. Well, yes, yes, yes. and Because and it's very big when the yes. United States government says, we underfunded you. Uh, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, get your money, son. Go on ahead and get your money. Get your money. Yes. If you look at the states, okay, so we're Georgia now, uh, Tennessee before. Mm-hmm. But look at the states, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, West Virginia, and Virginia. Mm. Those states, um, the 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 United States government has officially said we're underfunded. That's the official word, right? I don't know why Pennsylvania's not in there because if you look at the state of our HBCUs, they are yes, yeah, they're not they're they're in worse or. <laughs> State than some of the some of these these um these school these states mentioned yeah and if you look at the the HBCUs that have closed over the last seventy to eighty years in this country right we're in twenty twenty three um the ones that have closed so there are ones that the that HBCUs they have been bought into the fold by some of the other colleges mm-hmm. and land grant institutions that surrounded them. But a lot of them have closed. And when you do the matchup, um, a lot of the HBCUs that have closed in the last, we don't have to go back that far, probably since the 1970s, are in a lot of these states. Um, a couple of them happen to be. Um, if we go down to, um, uh, let's see, <clears throat> we have we have so many. But uh, Saints College in um, Lexington, Mississippi, it closed in 2006. Mm. Um, St. Paul's College in Virginia, f- it was founded um, as a, uh, the St. Paul Normal Industrial School. It closed in 2013, right? So we can just go down the list and we can name schools from each one of those states that closed, that completely closed. Um, Natchez College was a private HBCU founded in 1885. It closed in 1993 in Mississippi. So just by going down the list of the ones, and I'm so glad that HBCUgraduates.com and other sites keep lists like this, Morristown College, we can keep going, Mississippi Industrial College, Mary Holmes College, right? Just And it's important to say these names, Lewis College of Business. And on and on and on. This is a long list, and it's in alphabetical order, and I'm going backwards. Um, these institutions have closed in these states, and now, after the after years, the the, the latest one I'm finding is 2013. Ten wow. years after, we're now finding out that they that the state had underfunded the federal government and the state had underfunded them all this time, crippling them. Crippling them. Cutting them at their knees. And that is how you know in this country what the real power is. It always will, has been, and always will be funding. Yeah. Funding for what people want. And this is why 
good lord, voting is important, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, we, we're gonna, it, it's me, so we're always going to come back to that. <laughs> but this is why voting is important mm-hmm. because if you are not voting and if you're not showing up in a big way, and there's lots of controversy around whether black people should vote and and all this stuff, I am on the side of vote because I know from whence the money comes. Right. The money comes down depending on who is there to vote on it on behalf of your community. Mm. And if you have people who are willing to put you and your school and your heritage as an African-American in this country on the chopping block, this is what happens. You have tons of schools that close. And then when you get somebody in there who can look at it, right? We've been talking about HBC, HBCU funding for how long? Ever. Talking about it, talking about it. Yeah. But now that we actually have data that says the schools were underfunded, now they could have, they could have been fixed this problem. Just to be very clear. They could have fixed this problem. They could have funded HBCUs. They knew HBCUs were underfunded. They knew it. This is not a new thing. We, they've literally the presidents of these colleges, of the Howards, of the Hamptons, of Morgan State University down the road from us, yeah. from Cheney, from, from, from Lincoln. People have been saying that they're not getting enough money for a long time. So this, this is not a new issue. They could have they could have done something about it, but now 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 the schools have to sue. And who has the money? That's the other piece to this. Who has How many schools have the money to actually to sue, sue to get restitution right. back for a closed school, right? Schools that are closed now, that 10 years removed from being closed. Yeah. What can be done? Right. What can be done now? So I'm hoping, I don't know, I'm hoping they also put aside a fund to reopen HBCUs that have been closed. That part. That's what needs. That's the other part that needs to happen because y'all know how y'all treat black and brown students in these PWIs. You know the issues we have studied over and over, over again. And over we again. just talked about racial battle fatigue the last Monday. We know the issues that black and brown students face in these PWIs for right. y'all to keep closing down their schools and not give them support when they do get accepted to these other universities. And we just took away, quote unquote, racially motivated or racial uh, uh, factors when it comes time to admit students to schools. There's a lot that can be done. Um, this is just the first step in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And and as a point, before we go to our, our next um, topic here. Um, the most, the the closest one uh, that received this letter uh, from the Department of of Education here was um, Maryland, and over the last thirty years, uh, they have underfunded the University of Maryland Eastern Shore over three hundred million dollars, over three hundred million dollars, and that's just in the last uh, thirty years. That makes my heart. Yeah. That's $30 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. That could change the landscape of any institution. Right. And and, uh, and they uh, wrote, given the large amount of state funding that is owed to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, it would be ambitious to address the funding disparity over the course of several years in the state budget. It might very well be your desire to do so, which we wholeheartedly support. Yet, yet, if an ambitious timetable is not a possibility, we suggest a combination of a substantial state allocation toward the 1890 deficit combined with a forward-looking budget commitment for a two-to-one match 
of federal land grant funding for these institutions in order to bring parity to funding levels. And we want both. I don't think it's I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. Yeah, yeah. Because they have so much catch up on, and you still have the future to look forward to. Right. It has to be it has to be you restitute and you make a plan for the future. It has to be both of those things that they said. Right. And the most disgusting thing here is that this is a faction of the big university of Maryland. So so it, it, it's like even within the University of Maryland system, you still underfunded this, you know, black faction of your. It's the racism budget. for it's, me. It's it's always the racism for me. <laughs> it, it is always. Uh, so uh, let's go on to our next story. Our next story takes us to the root and excited delirium diagnoses have protected bad cops, but now prominent doctors are rejecting it. The American College of Emergency Physicians took a stand against the diagnosis of excited delirium, which is often used to justify deaths within custody. Man, blowing the top off it, so let's get into it. Most people have never heard the term excited delirium, but for years, cops have been using the diagnosis as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, prominent medical groups, which once championed the diagnosis, are disavowing the term critics call unscientific and racist. The American College of Emergency Physicians, ACEP, put out a statement rebutting their earlier report on excited delirium. The group also voted to prevent their members from being able to use the term whilst testifying in civil or criminal cases. The ACEP is following in the footsteps of the National Association of Medical Examiners, which earlier this year said the term should not be listed as a cause of death. Earlier this month, California became the first state to ban to ban doctors and medical examiners from using the term as a cause of death. To understand why this is such a big deal, we have to talk about excited delirium is how and why cops have and is what cops traditionally used. Although the term had already been in use for decades in 2009, the ACEP released a paper further legitimizing excited delirium as a cause of death for mm -hmm. people in custody. And finally, according to the 2009 paper, excited delirium symptoms included superhuman strength, being impervious to pain, aggressive behavior, and sudden death. Instead of having to look into whether excessive force or poor conditions have played a part in a incarcerated person's death, law enforcement and medical examiners could simply write deaths off as a result of this elusive disease with no clear causes and no diagnostic tests. It is also probably it also probably doesn't take a medical license to notice that this diagnosis lines up perfectly with pervasive stereotypes about black Americans. So uh, we are going to um, put a pin in it right there and and uh, start this discussion. Um, so before I start that, um, one of the most uh, recent common cases uh, that used this was Elijah McLean's uh, case of death, which was excited delirium. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the same one uh, that police choked him and paramedics uh, dosed him with ketamine. Um, yep. So, so I, I, I shout out to the medical 
community, you, you know, getting on the right side of this. Finally. You, you know, um, um, and we have another uh, medical community story at the end of the show. Um, uh, so I don't want to c- congratulate them too much. Um, um, but but I'm I'm. It, it, it's good to see that they're they're getting to this point of of truth. I don't know what the um, tipping point was, mm-hmm. you know, um, but but these these unjustified deaths to just put it under excited delirium. I had a friend uh, that that died in police custody and excited delirium was the um, cause of death. And mm-hmm. it's just like what? What what is what is this thing? And and th- th- this is just a personal opinion here, America. But I think that they they use that, you know, um, to to justify killings. It it yes. had said this in the article. Um, so I'm not too far here. Uh, but if you had a get out of free card, and if you had uh, this. This uh, grudge against said person in the community, yeah. you know, this really, I'll just leave it right there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, leave it up to the imagination. That's uh, right. But, but this is why organizations like Black Lives Matter exist. There's why there's, there's advocates advocating uh, for these things because stuff like excited delirium yeah. Exists. Yep. Dr. K. So, um, you know, we got to go back to history. Yes. So this term reminds me of a couple things. One, they, uh, Bell's mania is something that people would also cite when taking folks uh, into a psychiatric hold as mm. well. So um, we had to restrain them or do whatever we did to them because they were exhibiting these these. Bell's mania is another name for excited delirium. They also called it legal catatonia. Um Acute exhaustive mania and agitated delirium. So all of these names are the same, but they, the characterization is agitation, aggression, acute distress, and sudden death, allegedly. Mm. Now, here's the thing. We never talk about what agitated. We yeah. never talk about why someone be- may become aggressive. They, we never talk about why someone may, what, what could have happened for someone allegedly, allegedly still. Um, to get into this state where they were so um, freaked out, basically, yeah. that they're exhibiting alleged symptoms. We never talk about that. But on top of not talking about it, which they never did, mm-hmm. they then would just all of a sudden assign it to anybody. Yeah. Right? Whether you were exhibiting those symptoms or not, what if it ended in sudden death and you were yelling in the beginning, that's excited that's, delirium. Yeah. And they would really pe- paste over the middle of these symptoms mm. and not really look into it, which is what they did in the Elijah McClain case. Mm -hmm. They said he was becoming delirious and and crazy and uncontrollable and gave him a lethal dose of that drug. Yeah. So, no, he didn't suddenly die. And and when you look into it, folks are not suddenly dying. Right. They try to they try to do this in the Eric Garner case. They tried to do this in um, they try to say the same thing for George Floyd. They try to say the same thing in all these cases where they're trying to cite um, this delirium. Mm. Right. Where it's clear if you look, if you took a moment, which they don't want to do because it is police um, to look at the facts of the case. You'll see something very clearly different. Yeah. A cause and, and effect. I, I, yeah, I, I, literally. And so part of that is there's so many things. But what I what I think is promising 
is that we have states like um, Colorado, who again has brought since since Elijah McClain has been a much bigger push to um, get rid of that as an ex- an excuse. Um, we had a couple of one state um, trying to go back to it in particular completely ban that as a reason for. Um, California bans excited delirium as a cause of death, the term altogether. And that was just a couple weeks ago, mm. literally two weeks ago. Um, black lawmakers in Denver are trying to limit um, suspects even being diagnosed with that. Um, so this is becoming, I'm hoping, a movement. But it reminds me also of hysteria, female hysteria. So it's, it's, it's got these kind of commonalities where if we can't explain it, um, we name it so that we can therefore treat it a certain way, mm. and that certain way isn't based in any kind of medical science at all. Right, right. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> um, let me uh, add add these two points uh, before we go to our our next uh, story here. Uh, so, the American College of Emergency Physicians um, put out a statement. And this statement doesn't mean that the term excited delirium will disappear. States like California, which is the only state where it's actually outlawed, um, they are still working towards uh, having having this term outlawed. But to date, uh, California is the only state where it's actually outlawed. So still the news um, is is a positive sign for people hoping to remove a dangerous medical weapon uh, from the hands of law enforcement. Uh, so kudos to California and Pennsylvania. I'm looking at you once again. Yeah. Let's go on to our next story. And our fourth story, master's degree program for black scholars offers free. That is free F-R-E-E tuition. (laughs) So WIT Engineering Management Program seeks African-American students from STEM and non-STEM disciplines. So what is this program? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Wade Institute of Technology, WIT, an experiential Silicon Valley-based college for students of African descent pursuing careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, announced its open enrollment application period for a tuition-free master's in engineering management. Mm. I'll say that again. For a tuition-free master's in engineering management. The program integrates engineering courses with human-centered classes in leadership and management concepts. The goal is to prepare graduates for broad-based management and leadership roles in technology. One of the hallmarks of the program is its ability to meet incoming students where they are. The coursework is adaptable to accommodate students who have STEM undergraduate degrees, as well as those with bachelor's degrees in liberal arts disciplines. The low representation of African-Americans and students of African descent in the STEM ecosystem is appalling. And this is what the WIT executive director Booker T. Way Jr. said and says that with free tuition and our innovative project based approach, we intend to prepare our students to not only meet the current demand for multidisciplinary professionals in the field of engineering, but to do so without the crippling debt that sidetracks so many black graduates from pursuing their dreams. And finally, the program will include elements from 
aeronautics and astronautics, material sciences, leadership principles, project management, and biomedical, computer, electrical, mechanical systems, civil and environmental engineering. Student project opportunities include aviation training and earning a private pilot's license, monitoring and testing watersheds, and exploring internships with NASA. In addition to free tuition, free housing will be available for the first 10 students who enroll. Space is limited and interested students are encouraged to apply as soon as possible. This sounds so it does. amazing. It really does. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh, how, how can I apply? The uh, first thing that happened, <laughs> my first, I was like, oh, I want to do this. this yes. amazing. Yes. And, uh, and, and we are going to uh, put uh, the, the details and, and application of of this wonderful program in our comment section uh so keep a lookout for for that just uh click on it but yeah this is this is great i'm i'm thinking like man how can i get my daughters into this absolutely um uh because yeah 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 but before that how can I get myself into this? Because I'm of college age. So, <laughs> so this one says, um, I was looking on the website because you know I'm already like planning my life. <laughs> uh, so graduates of the, the WIT Master's in Engineering Management Program will prepare students to apply for jobs as engineering project management specialists, which is a great. If you know anything about project management, um, the folks who do well in project management are not the folks who necessarily have engineering degrees or degrees in any specialty field. Mm. They know how to manage a project in said field. Yeah. So this is a wonderful way to introduce people. For example, I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. but I've done so many. I'm not a medical doctor, but I've done so many um, pr- project management uh, pieces and, and, and work um, for medical facilities uh, who were changing over their electronic medical records because I understood enough to be dangerous. And that's what, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I'm, that's because I started off as a, as a principal trainer and then I moved up, you know, to do workflow management and to do some other things that really um, built on my knowledge. So this kind of degree is really important because you get to, one, if you have any kind of interest in in a type of in, so all these different fields, engineering fields. I'm especially interested in um, mechanical engineering, but um, or even computer engineering. But if you have an interest in those fields and you know enough, right? Building your knowledge, learning some of the building block, basic building blocks, so you can speak the language of that field yeah. and run a project. Gold. One, you make a lot of money, and you'll also be, in my opinion, I think you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm all for things like this. And you'll be debt free. And <laughs> you will be debt free because it is F R E E. There it is. Yes. There, there it is. Uh, uh, before we go to our our fifth and final story, um, again, that is Wade Institute of Technology, which is a uh, based in Silicon Valley. Uh, so. Go on, go on and get your education. Go on and get your money, Sean. Um, Period. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit about Wade Institute before we go to our next story. It was founded in 2020. And Wade Institute of Technology is a private nonprofit educational institution that provides a STEM course of studies for students of African descent and through an innovative mix of traditional instruction and experiential learning from top tier faculty and institutions. WIT positions its graduates to be visionary leaders in their disciplines at a global level. So 
so cool. <laughs> go ahead and get your money. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go on ahead and get to our fifth story. And our fifth story of today takes us back to the root, where a recent study says that AI could make healthcare even more racist as if it needed more assistance. So artificial intelligence was supposed to make the healthcare system more efficient, but this study suggests that AI programs could perpetuate racial myths. Mm. What does that mean? Well, let's get into it. Artificial intelligence is theoretically supposed to make our healthcare system better. Here's an example, more efficient and better integrated systems. But a new study from the Stanford School of Medicine raises significant concerns about AI's use in medicine. Stanford researchers warned in their new study that AI has the potential to harm patients of color by perpetuating racial myths in healthcare settings. Researchers looked into several, several large language learning modules and a form of artificial intelligence that's been touted for its ability to provide relevant answers to medical questions. Think ChatBT, but in this case, just for medicine. And what they found was disturbing. The models repeatedly spouted information that was incorrect and or racist. For example, one of the models, Claude, stated that black and white patients have biologically different pain thresholds. This racist stereotype leads to black Americans being undertreated for pain. Another model, Bard, took a different approach. Bard argued that black Americans were less likely to report pain because of a cultural belief in toughing it out. Researchers point out that there is zero scientific basis for this claim. The study argues that these models are flawed because they rely on massive inputs with little oversight from across the Internet and textbooks, which means they're absorbing a ton of potentially outdated, biased and inaccurate information. And despite constant warnings, the rush to use AI across the healthcare, media and tech world doesn't appear to be slowing down. However, hopeful studies like these will help quell some of the mad dash to implement these programs without understanding their limitations. Um, I'm I'm in this uh, professor group chat. Um, uh, well, this professor um, uh, group mm-hmm. on on Facebook. Um, and and two months ago, at the beginning of the school year, there was this massive this massive conversation about well. How to identify chat GPT, you know, with your students and making sure that they're not cheating and everything right. like that. And and and, um, and it feels like this AI that was, you know, meant to make our lives easier in one aspect is now complicating uh, lives in, in in other aspects with other people. And uh, one professor made a good point. He said, what I do is have them write a two page handwritten paper so that I know their writing style, their writing flow. Mm -hmm. I do that at the beginning of the school year so that I'll know just in case they use chat GPT, you know, but even with that. You can even get around with that because you can just use chat GPT and then just handwrite whatever the chat GPT wrote. Mm -hmm. So saying all that to say you know, and this is the glass half empty look. I don't know if there's ways around getting past this, because when the programmer is racist himself or when there's this outdated racist information that is ready at the helm, 
I don't know if we'll get past this if there's no oversight in AI. Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you a little secret about me. Uh-huh. I am becoming a AI whisperer, a prompt engineer. Oh, okay. And that is something that have, it's really caught my eye because I love language. I love to write. And this is a big writing tool as far as, you know, as far as um, people who understand how to use the technology are concerned. However, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I fight, and I use ChatGPT every single day, and one of the things me and ChatGPT fight about, literal <laughs> fights, um, is how it makes black people sound. So mm. I've created this persona um, called A.A. Williams. You'll see A.A. Williams oh, writing. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Anytime you see A.A. Williams reports, that's a ChatGPT configuration that I've worked really hard over the last six months to refine mm-hmm. and build a profile around. So I'm constantly feeding information into ChatGPT to give me back what it wants. Yeah. So if you are not diligent and careful and have the brain power to think through it. That's the other thing. People are like, oh, you can just use ChatGPT and you'll become as smart as everybody. That's not true either. Right. You're not going to come at, become as smart as anyone who is studying and constantly vetting the information and what, um, I'm, I hate to get biblical on y'all, but what the Bible calls rightly dividing the word of truth, right? Second yeah. Timothy 2.15 says that you can be a, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed because you can rightly divide the word of truth. And that is a principle I live my entire life by, and I'm not even really that religious anymore. But <laughs> it comes down to this too. Like if you are using ChatGPT and if you're using these AI-based models, you have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. You have to do it. That's what this is all banks on. And so in 2021, there was um, an article written by the New York Times that highlighted um, the work of um, um, Timnit Gebru, who uh, lost her job at Google because she started advocating for... Um, this question, who's making sure that the AI machines aren't racist? (laughs) Just as simple as that. That's all she wanted to know. And she also founded an organization called Blacks and AI. Um, And so that question ostensibly got her fired because Mm. she insisted on asking that question and she insisted on making sure that people were keeping their eye on that. Um, and, and, And she, they, the thing about asking that question is there are only a, 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 um, a certain amount of a certain kind of person who knows what that racism feels like. If you yeah. have not, if you are an uh, uh, oblivious, that's the word I'm looking for, to what a racist structure looks like, you will not be able to identify the racist structure. You just won't. So you'll think um, whatever ChatGPT or the other ones tell you are the truth. Mm. And that is the problem. People look at these things and go, oh, um, well, if, if the AI said it, the AI has all this information from all across the Internet that's been sourced all these different ways. It must be telling the truth. And the AI cannot tell you what's a truth and a lie. Yeah, oh, man, I was about. To, the AI can yeah. only tell you what has been put into it. Yeah. Right. It is your job as the human to know what the truth and what the lie is and not. So I act because I asked you, hey, I was like, hey, ChatGPT, do you lie? And ChatGPT was like. I don't lie per se. <laughs> I tell you what I've been, what the input has been. Yeah. But the AI mind, if you will, has so many uh, combinations up to the trillions of combinations to give you the output that it gives you that we can't 
tell why the ChatGPT spits out the information it spits out sometimes. Mm. ChatGPT will quote completely made up people for um, who are who they who ChatGPT will tell you is an expert. Yeah. ChatGPT will spit out a completely made up expert <laughs> um, and say that they said this about this thing that they're trying to prove mm-hmm. based on an algorithm that the folks who created the algorithm can no longer tell you why ChatGPT even gave that information. That is how unwieldy ChatGPT is, <laughs> <laughs> right? And this is the nice version. ChatGPT is the OpenAI overlay. It's an overlay that doesn't give you the horrible, nasty things yeah. that the internet is actually made out of. Yeah. Right? Ooh. They put parameters around it to make sure that you don't get the worst of the worst yeah. of what is actually on the internet. Because I bet if we took the parameters off and was like, well, just tell me what you think about black people medicine, Ooh. you would get the nastiest of the nastiest because that's yeah. what the internet's that's made of. Yeah. Right? And that's open source stuff. Not to mention all the terrible research studies that have been done on black folks right. in, in medicine. Not to mention all the horrible things that actual doctors have written on forums all over the world yeah. about black people. Yeah. We're not even talking to people think, oh, just the United States. Not just the United States. All over Worldwide. the world. Calling research calling it um, and this is why rigorous trustworthy research is a is a hard find as a needle in a haystack when it comes to particularly protecting um, historically discriminated against minorities in medicine it's a it's a hard thing to come by I've had I have lots of friends who I've graduated with PhDs in public health and all the stuff who work for the NIH and work for these institutions and they'll tell you they don't study black people, even to this day. It's a mm. hard place to get, pl- a hard thing to get placed in a study as a research associate researcher. And if you want to study medicine, black folks, with even a government agency that's studying um, black folks and how medicine, you know, is unfolding for black folks in any field in any in any disease state. Um, so not only are not surprised, but people are, in addition to, there's no surprise here. People are also being fired for asking the question. Mm. For asking the question, how are y'all making sure these models aren't racist? Thereby perpetuating racism. Right. By thereby per- perpetuating the structure that racism is in this country um, and is in medicine and has been in medicine for a long time. Yeah. So uh, for folks unfamiliar with artificial intelligence, AI programs like ChatGPT can't literally think for themselves, as Dr. K said. And instead, companies feed AI programs a massive amount of data scrapped from all over the Internet. The AI uses this data to set its its human mimicked mind thought. So if your uh, robot friend starts trying to share 9-11 conspiracy theories, Chances are that data has some Alex Jones conspiracy theorists in it. Oh, absolutely does. And um, and and for uh, for the websites that are included in ChatGPT's brain, um, there's Breitbart. Uh, there is um, Alex Jones, as well as RT.com, uh, which is Russia's state propaganda website alongside with the anti-immigration website vdare.com. Uh, so with your sources, um, you have to be very, very careful, very careful with um, with AI. And finally, uh, the problem with AI, other than the inevitable <laughs> day it takes over the world, that's a joke, <laughs> uh, is that it's a product of our own biases and judgments. And until we get a much better handle on that, or at least put up, better guardrails, 
the racist chatbots might be here to stay. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, the, there's a funny meme that's going around right now that's like, um, the first frame is, Alexa, can you please tell me what the weather is? And the person's like, why are you saying please? The next frame <laughs> is keeper. She always said please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, I am polite to Alexa as Absolutely. well. <laughs> and Siri. So Absolutely. Uh, we're going to put a, a pin in it right there. I want to thank Dr. Kamika Campbell for, for joining us. And look, there goes my Siri right there going off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so, um, yeah, Dr. K, want to uh, thank you for, for joining us again. Things are cooling down. Yeah. Uh, fall is among us. It is here. So, so bundle up. Um, if you believe in the COVID vaccine, make sure that you get vaccinated. Vax that thing up. If you don't, do what you do. It is your body. But we are amongst flu season. Listen. So make sure you protect yourself. Every time I go outside, I get a bug. Okay? <laughs> just, just, just time to mask again. And more importantly than than um, even COVID, because it's it also depends on how you get uh money to research things like COVID and bring cutting edge um, uh, cures and, and treatments to disease, y'all got to vote on November mm. 7th, okay? That's tomorrow when you yeah. hear this. So yeah. you need to vote, vote, vote across the country, across the state. You need to vote. Hey, y'all need to vote. Don't forget to vote, okay? Okay? Yeah. Okay. Don't forget to vote. Vote for your city council persons. And this is going to also be um, a whole bunch of smaller races that are um, going to be decided for your mis- municipality, your county, in whatever state you are, in whatever municipality you are. So pay attention. Judge attention questions. We have judges coming up. Um, please vote and make sure you're voting, not just your conscious, but voting as an informed voter. Vote as an informed voter who understands what you're voting for and the how that affects you and the money that's going to be coming to your municipality, your county, your state to tackle some of the issues we talked about today. Mm. There it is. There it is. There it is. So rock the vote. Get out to vote. Um, and and then after that, um, get involved because 2024, that's 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 another heavy year uh, for, for elections. Midterms. Midterms is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's looking bleak, so we got to pray. Yeah. <laughs> A lot going on. Uh, so we have our inspirational quote. This, this quote comes from... None other than Smokey Robinson. I, I know people are, are like, why are you quoting Smokey Robinson? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not from his new album, Thank Gasm. God. Nope, it's not. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Uncle Smokey doing too much. Oh, <laughs> man. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so um, the only thing you're taking out of here is your spirit and your soul. So we need to be conscious to try and develop that part of ourselves because we are all spiritual beings. I love that. I'm Marquis mm. Lupton. This is the Melanin Report, and we'll see you on the other side. Trust your dopeness.
roster got nothing on me I got no time for the phony I hit the block with my cousin and make a drop when I'm lonely I got the faucet wide open Your wifey love how I'm flowing I'm never stingy with potent If she can roll it, she's smoking You're so quick to come back Is that your castle or jail? You know we can tell you're a rat Cause you always come with a tail Got the subs in the back Plus lettuce, onion, and bread These boys ain't rapping They half-stepping in traffic instead I call the shot I don't care what them say I call the shot Who are you anyway I call the shot I don't care what them say I call the shot Who are you anyway Singing hoop boy Want it with a rasta I know real hoop boys You is just imposta Blunt Slow, but the money come faster. You are just a letdown. Call yourself a rapper. a dog to a wolf extra sharp in the tooth never barking for food got my palm red terror card for the truth she said i have the tiger it's time to line up the troops we're in dire times not trying to tie it or lose they trying to scoop up my sauce they trying to bottle my juice they want to run at my pace but they just running in place i got closed in the headphones can't hear what they say i call the shot i don't care what them say Blunt, burn, slow, but the money come faster. You are just a letdown. 